like to welcome everybody back to Tuesday night. I'm Ken Marangolo on behalf of First Amendment Sports Studios and Basement Podcasts all across the land. The heart of Kensington, Maryland. He's Kevin Ricca. Man, two Mustangs, Nat Schiff, Cadet on one. Sounds like Davey Martinez has been talking with Jay Gruden a little bit, boy. That's a hell of a play call. This is the Nat Shift. We do have a guest with us tonight to talk a little Washington Nationals. Um, our preseason regimen has been to connect with folks who love this as much as we do. His name is Brian King. Welcome to the show, Brian. Thank you very much for having me. He is a... Uh, so he, we're going to take him all the way back to Bishop Edinburgh High School, Forestville, Maryland. The Mustangs, uh, fellow Mustang, I should say, class of 1990. That's right. Um, That's right. McNamara baseball player, and then went on to Virginia Tech. Um, and I, you know what, I didn't, we, we didn't really get past that, Brian. Um, how, was your, how would you rate your experience as a baseball player at Virginia Tech? Uh, I loved it. You know, it was a bit of a culture shock going to southwestern Virginia, being born and raised in the D.C. area, um, changed the thing. You know, it was, you know, I learned a lot, uh, lettered for four years, and uh, got my education. So I came out on top. That's awesome, man. Who was the, the which, which team did you enjoy playing against most? Oh, University of Virginia, without question. What was your record <laughs> against them? All... What, what was your record against them, Brian? Uh, I don't know. I really don't know. But I know we had some great games in Salem uh, on neutral territory. We had some good games against them at home, some good games against them at Virginia. Um, I know my season, you know, my, my career record was winning against them. But uh, All right. most of those games were late-inning heroics. So it was fun. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Well, uh, I would ask you, like, so this time of year, you're, you're thinking you're, the, the guys are down in Florida – they're seeing balls, you know, you know, hitting, hit, hit, getting some hits in. Um, th- you know, th- it's got to take you back. Are you watching? Are you watching spring training? I mean, do you care? One of the things we talk about on the Nats is like, you know, th- we only have seven games to watch, and of course, we watch them like they're NFL Sunday games. Um, are you watching these preseason games? Yeah, I do. I watch them when I can because they. Uh, I don't have the MLB Network, and the MLB Network is sort of. You know, catch as catch can, but when they do come on Masson, I do watch. Um, I think the last game that I saw was Orioles Red Sox. I don't remember which last game I saw, but you know, for the most part, they look the way they're supposed to look in spring training. You know, I, I generally don't give a whole lot of credence to it. Take for example, last year when Ryan Zimmerman's spring training was absolutely horrendous. Then he puts together, you know, basically a career year. You know, with his you know, second highest average, you know, highest career total. Um, but you sort of expect, you know, if, if if guys are struggling with the fundamentals, or you know, pitchers, you know, aren't getting to the front side, or there's a you know, a, there's a hole or a flaw in someone's swing, that's when you really take notice. But well, I'm, I'm, for guys, that... I'm with you there, my man. I think you're. I'm dead on spot with the veteran guys. You know, let's just get these guys through the rest of the month, the next three weeks. No bumps and bruises, but the one guy that I cannot take my eyes off of is this Victor Robles, and uh, this is he's kind of taken this spring training and, and and made it his own here. I think he's going to force an issue because I know David Martinez has said there is no chance that he's going wherever he plays he will be playing every day. 
whether that's in the bigs or in the minors. He, he's an everyday guy. We need him playing every day. I think he's about to force a hand out here. Uh, what, what do you think about the young guy doing what he's doing? Yeah, I have been watching him. He's had a great spring. Uh, he came on strong last year. He made the playoff roster. Uh, good speed. You know, I think he's got to get some work in. Like you said, he's got to play every day. You know, Adam Eaton, they list him as day-to-day. Uh, I, I don't know right now if Adam Eaton can beat Victor Robles out for an outfield spot. I, I just don't know if he can do that. Well, uh, you know, I mean, if Adam Eaton's 100% healthy, I mean, he, it, it's his spot for sure. But I, I would agree with you on this. On this. Um, I got Victor Robles on my opening day roster, um, and I'm not afraid to start him on any day, and I'm not afraid to ensure that he gets at-bats every day by bringing, bringing him in in that sixth or seventh inning. Um, I think he, I think he's one of our best players, um, and and I and I think that the Washington Nationals have done one thing very well as an organization. And they've always been ready. Um, they've always been ready uh, with guys to fill huge holes. Um, you know, relatively speaking, on their on their team. And if we if Bryce isn't back, I don't think I I, I don't want Victor Robles to be coming out of the minors with. Savior written on on his shirt. I want him to have a year in the le- in the bigs. Um, I, I I think he'll be successful, and and it, it it doesn't make it doesn't change the decision making process on either side of the coin, Bryce's or the or the Nationals. But if the organization has as a, a superstar in the making with with some at bats ahead of time and 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 room to do it. On an ending outfield with Michael A. Taylor, Adam Eaton, and Bryce Harper. With Michael A. Taylor having right side stiffness, which is not a good yep. thing. Yeah. That's, uh, that, you know, yep. Robles, we got a, a bunch of outfielders, but we got a guy that's ready to come in and win a Rookie of the Year award. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. there's no yeah. doubt. Yep. But I will yep, say I this. Agree with that. I have to disagree with you on the one thing because Davey's got Adam Eaton. Already told him you're my leadoff man. This guy is a bulldog, Brian. You, you're not an Eaton guy? Uh, I'm an Eaton fan, but I'm all I'm saying is right now he's listed as day today. Sure. And you know, is he going to have enough time in spring training? Yeah, I think pitches, I, I think it's kid gloves right now pitching. at this point. Yeah. Yep. We'll see. We'll see about all this. It's not fun to see Juan Soto get his first licks in as a uh, in the Grapefruit League. That was interesting. I think he's the next. I think he's the kind of the untouchable prospect for us today. Not because of how great he is at the moment, but so our organization does have depth um, in the farm system, but uh, it's super top heavy in that it's Robles and Soto. Um, so, you know, there's no, you know, we, we've been fans of teams before at, in every sport um, where they would rush a guy like Juan Soto um, onto the field to either sell tickets or. Um, to hope that you know that they get that one special moment when he just does something crazy because he's he's crazy gifted but he's not ready yet, you know the Washington Nationals have a huge luxury to give this guy time. Um, he's clearly going to be be good and and again, uh, there's a big jump off from him to like the next legit you know pro you know all star type guy. So um, you know let him grow. I mean I think and I think he's going to be great. Yeah, the Nationals do this every you know every couple of years. We're, we're growing a lot of these outfielders, yeah. man. I mean, you know, Brian Goodwin and Andrew Stevenson haven't gone anywhere either. Uh, you know, it's it's an embarrassment of riches in the outfield for the Nats. Let's uh, let's hope they all stay healthy and we can work them in and work them out where they need to be. But yeah, I mean, we're talking about like seven, eight guys that we can run out there and, and defensively yeah. not lose a, not lose a beat. 
Looking for these bats, though, man. These these bats. <laughs> they, well, yeah, that's that. That's the next thing. It's like you know, after last year, you know, it, I don't think people really got deep into the numbers, but you know, so many guys on that Nats roster had next to career years. Part of the reason they you know won the division by whatever it was, you know, almost twenty games. So I don't I don't see that offensive juggernaut the way it happened last year. So they're going to have to, like you said, they're going to have to rotate guys in. Uh, they're going to have to keep building the younger guys because they're going to need them down the stretch. You know, you've got some, some players that have some, some age on them. Daniel Murphy's not young. They're going nah, to need yeah. those guys come playoff time. And we're going to need the Adam Eaton's. Play. No doubt. Adam Eaton and Trey Turner healthy is going to be a difference maker also yep. for us. Uh, you know what I love yep. about this week, just offensively when we're talking about bats, is this Matt Adams who's going to take oh, the this, Adam oh, Lindro. You just, you I'm, just sorry, I'm sorry, I'm no. sorry, I'm <laughs> sorry. But it jumped out at me, Ken. Yep. When, you, when you're a fan of your team and you pick, and you pick someone up from another team where he was born and raised, yeah, Matt Adams goes into Jupiter and at the Cardinals training facility and gets a standing ovation in preseason. That just jumped off, the, just jumped out at me. I, 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 that to me was tremendous. We brought him here to be on our bench. Our bench guys getting standing O's in his home stadium from his previous home team yep. in spring training. That yep. says a lot about what we're doing. Uh, and and also roster. a lot about Matt Adams. I mean, he was boys with um, Chris Heisey, right? Yeah. And that the story is, I think it's been you know been reported and told, but that uh, Matt Adams called Chris and was like, "Hey, who, Chris, who's no longer here?" Right. And he was like, hey, um, you know, what should I do? You know, what do you think about this, this team? And uh, Chris told him, you got, you got, if, you got, if you have an opportunity to be in that clubhouse, you need to do it. And he was signed, like, within the day, you know. And he took – it was a slow-moving free agency season, for, for, you know, which favors a team like the Nationals to even be able to get a guy like Matt Adams. Could have made more to go somewhere else and play um, more than he's going to play here. So, he, you know, a younger uh, – you know, we got a little bit of control there. Um, he's, 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 I don't feel like, I mean, I don't, he's not the Adam Eaton kind of addition we made last year, but he's, he's in the same neighborhood as that, you know, he brings something. He definitely brings something that we, we, we desperately want. I would just like him to bring exactly what Adam Lynn brought to us last year at less of a cost. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that was fun to watch. It was, wasn't it? But that's a lot to ask. Don't you yeah. think, Brian? That's, that's a, you know. Well, point I made I mean Adam Lynn posted his second highest average of his career last year yep. um, uh, I mean so and it was from it was literally that's not hyperbole literally from day one I was there pinch hit home run and it just he never he never you know fell off from that so you know Matt Adams has some some big shoes to fill and you know Adam Lynn had big hit after big hit after big hit yeah and he really if he did. can do it then great you know, that's a truly an asset. And I'll root for him. I don't root for a lot of Yankees, but apparently he signed in the last day or two, and he's a Yankee. But you know what? What he gave us last year was just tremendous. Can't be mad at him, uh, especially when we moved on. But uh, there's there's a couple other things I, I wanted to get. I wanted to ask Ken and Brian here. It's getting to be uh, crunch time here on some of these moves. You know, the, how long can Jake Arrieta be floating around out there? How long is the JT Rail Muto Ooh. thing? Like, at what point? You know, is it too late? Or do we need a spring training? Does it matter with a veteran? Uh, you know, because it's, you know, this, this has been the most slow-moving, non-developing two stories that everyone's pointing the finger at us about, and it's been weeks. And, and we're down to three weeks left before the season starts. You know, at what point? I have point? one question. Go ahead. Can we, can we afford him? 
Yeah, we can afford them. The answer to your question is yes. Um, and it, it, it becomes an issue of what to um, at some point because the money does um, matter. You know, there's a, it's not a hard cap, but there's ramifications, financial ramifications for there's going a, over. There's a, definitely a learner cap. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. So <laughs> there's, they, they, they can, they have the money and they can uh, pay him, you know, excuse me, they can pay him. But the asking price, I mean, the, the, there's a reason why he's not signed, first and foremost, and that's not because he sucks. It's because Boris prepared a 75-page PowerPoint slideshow that tried to prove why he's worth, you know, Max Scherzer money, um, and that's not going to happen. So I still think there's, a, I still think the odds are that, and the longer that he waits, see, because he, he could have already been paid um, probably more than he's going to end up getting uh, for a team like the Phillies or some team mm-hmm. that, that doesn't have a chance really to go all the way, but they need they need a guy like that to sell some seats um, and, and hopefully maybe even help them win some games. So he's holding out. In my opinion, all this means is that Jake's holding out, not Jake's agent, not Jake's uh, contract demands. So Jake's holding out, and at this point in time, I think he's trying to figure out, all right, where do I fit in? Maybe he's waiting for an injury. I mean, maybe he is. Maybe he's waiting for a top guy to go down and, and on a good staff. Or, or the counterbalance between not being able to sign another guy next year if we do sign Bryce, or signing a guy right now, which is going to hinder us signing Bryce. I mean, they're, they're, you know, it's, it's, you're weighing in on both sides of this deal. How, how important is this final season with Bryce Harper if it is? You know, it's, are we going to mortgage next year? Because if we do sign Bryce Harper, there's not going to be a lot of $100 million aces out there for us to go out and scoop up after we put the pen to paper on that contract. So right. we, we might want to protect yeah. ourselves moving forward, or does that hinder us moving forward? I, I don't know the answer. Uh, well, I I, I I think we I think we let Bryce Harper go, and when you get deep into the numbers, and, and I, I'm really out on an island with this opinion, Harper is still a bit of an unknown quantity. You take his first three seasons where he hit 270, 273, 274, and he explodes plays, what, six or seven fewer games and hits 243. It's productive last year. You know, but not because of, you know, getting hit in the wrist and breaking a bone. You know, runs into the wall in Dodger Stadium and he goes flying across the base after a rain. And, you know, spraying his thumb. So, you know, I don't know. I think, and going back to what, if he's gone and Victor Robles can and there he's groomed. I don't think we lose anything. You lose home runs, and now you go to a speed game with Robles and Defoe and, and Trey Turner. You got some guys that can really run. Well, it's a different ball game. I hear what you're saying, and I do believe that Bryce's best years are ahead of him. But from an organizational depth standpoint, I am not afraid of losing Bryce Harper. I don't think our, our you know I don't think we crumble as fans. I think we know what we've got. I do want to re-sign him. I'd love him to be the king of Washington, D.C., as far as baseball goes. And uh, But if we do happen to lose him, I don't think it's the death blow for us because of the things you said, because of the Victor Robles, the Juan Sotos. And, and it's just going to change the dynamic of our team, no doubt about it. But, I mean, yep. since when can we be in a position to say that we're not afraid of him leaving? Uh, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not speaking for you guys. I'm not afraid of him leaving. I'm not afraid of him I leaving. I want him to be here, though. Uh, I do. 
And it's, that's because it's not my money. That ain't my bank account. That ain't my $500 million. Yes, that makes it a little easier to say that out loud. I mean, every fan wants the guy you drafted number one overall to be an all-time great uh, Hall of Fame caliber player who brings titles to your city. He's capable of doing all those things. Do I, I, and, and, and I want him to be here, too. And I'm not afraid if we lose him um, because we're not going to pay $50 million a year. But what I will say is Washington is a big market city. So it's always going to be able to afford to pay players from now until as long as they're around. Um, they are uh, – this deal is going to be long, long term. You know, when we're talking about Kirk Cousins and the benefits of a f- four or five or six-year deal for a guy like Kirk Cousins and that by the end of that contract we were saying um, how good was it going to look against the salary cap that was always going up. Uh, to me, this, the, the argument holds for Bryce Harper. It's a different – it's different because it's baseball and the salary cap and is different and everything's different. But this could be a 10-year deal. This could be an 11 or 12-year deal potentially at 400 to $500 million. And if that's true and if the economics of the game uh, are what they are and the, you know, the world doesn't explode, conceivably, if, if Bryce Harper plays you know, to his abilities by year six, seven, eight, nine, it, 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 as crazy it might, as it might sound – his salary is not going to be as eye-popping. Uh, it's still going to be up there. I, I understand I mean, it's still going to be up there. I know what you're saying. With Stanton going to the Yankees right now, two years ago, three years ago, he had the giant number, and now he's like, what, the third or fourth highest paid guy on that roster? <laughs> like That's that. right. Like, right. You're I, always I going to have – there's always going to be um, outliers, uh, and there's always going to be teams who have no business um, paying for those outliers. Like the Washington Redskins have no business paying, being the team that pays the, the highest paid player in the league. It's not who they are. I think the Washington Nationals are potentially a team that can be the team that pays the league's highest paid player because they are so fundamentally sound every single other place. And, and, you're, by, and, you're, and you're, not, you're not re-signing Bryce Harper to fill seats, and you're not signing Bryce Harper to, um, for marketing and ad campaigns, although you'll get all those things. Um, you're buying World Series content, you know, you're buying World Series title chances. Postseason performance. Yes. That's and, what we're and, and he has done it in the playoffs. As he, a baby. As a as a little, little munchkin. And so to me, the all the math is just different in this situation. And while I I think on its face, I would generally speaking never be the guy to want to be in the business of paying the league's highest paid player. But I think the Washington Nationals and this is um, Brian, I'm, I'm working this out on the fly, but this is going to be my, my platform going forward. The Washington Nationals can be a franchise who pays the, the league's highest paid player. Um, and, and in fact, um, they should be because they're so good at all these other places. It's not just Bryce's last year. You know, that, that's the thing about this season. It's not just Bryce Harper's last, potentially the last season. It's a, it's a one-year-older Max Scherzer. Um, it's, a, it's a Steven Strasburg with one more year on that, on that arm. Um, you know, it's, it's Ryan Zimmerman, who's also going to be here for a while, but he's not getting any younger. Um, you know, it's, it's what are we going to do about Anthony Rendon in the next couple of years? I mean, with this, the Washington Nationals are stacked. They're World Series contenders on an annual basis. Um, you put the Bryce Harper issue to bed for 10 years. I, I think you're going to be talking in the way we're talking every March for the next 10 years. So, Brian, think about this. You're on, like, episode, you know, call it six or seven of the Nat Shift. And in 10 years, when we're still in our 10-year anniversary and you come back for our 10-year anniversary uh, episode, and you, we're talking about Bryce Harper's, you know, Hall of Fame career and, and a couple of, uh, you know, World Series trophies, 
It was worth every penny, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if he's on a Hall of Fame track yet. I mean, his the numbers aren't there. They're just not there. I mean, I, I like you know, I agree. I'd, I'd like him to be here, but if he goes, I think that we can we can pick up the pieces. And I mean, he's a fan favorite, and I think that he does bring an energy to the organization. He brings an energy to the fan base, and that's hard to duplicate. It's hard to replace, um, and he does that. He does that around the league, not just in in Washington. So I'd like to see him stay. Um, and you know, I'm a season ticket holder. I got my All Star tickets already. And I love that. Hey, yeah. that that's an important thing. I mean, just so we're um, so we don't leave anything out about Bryce. He's all he's also a power hitting lefty who can throw at a guy from the from the corner. Um, but you know, that's just extra. What he adds extra to to all everything else. Um, I love that you're a season ticket holder. I love that you got your uh, all-star seats. Um, so we're, we're going to have you back on to uh, ahead of the all-star game. Um, cause for some home run derby tickets, you name, you name the Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We're going to start getting all our possible avenues in. Hopefully we're going to be doing this uh, uh, podcast on the field behind one of those, those protective nets uh, during the home run derby. That's our goal. Yeah, the red porch with two Ds. Yes. Two Ds. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just going to be a red porch. Well, I'll be in section 103, row D, seats one and two. So. There you go, my man. There I'm you a, go. I'm a, little, I'm a little too close. The ball's going over my head. That's all right. That's, that's <laughs> awesome, man. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, I, uh, I just want to say thanks, Brian, for uh, joining us tonight. We appreciate um, kicking it with uh, actual Nats fans. Um, a Nats fan and a man from the league. A man I from I the league. I, I don't share the, the McNamara, but I share the, the Metro Conference, as it was called when we were back there. WMAC. Yeah. That's, that's old. Oh, the Mac. Yeah, well, it's always good talking with a man from the league, a, a respected yeah. opinion. Without a doubt. Um, Bishop McNamara, Mustang, send your kid there today. Um, Brian, thank you so much for joining us, man. Hey, thanks for having me. I look forward to doing it again. Yes, sir. We, we look forward to having Absolutely. you back. Absolutely, yes, sir. Thank you very much, Brian. All right. You guys take care. All right, bye-bye. Well, another uh, one in the books for those who are listening not live, since no one else is, except for uh, Brian Stabby and Matt Seal. Uh, we got a full night of programming, so uh, check us out on iTunes and SoundCloud for The Audible, doing uh, Redskins content on Hawks Haven, The Hot Box on uh, FirstAmendmentSports.com and SoundCloud. Got Sean Springs, former Springbrook High School standout. I think he played a little basketball there, didn't he? I think he had to have. Yeah, I think he had to have. You know, I would never bet that he didn't. Also a defensive player of the year in the Big Ten, number three draft choice. Yep. But my favorite is he was a Redskin. Was and when he was at Silver Spring Boys Club, we took care of business over at Maplewood. You know, I'm going to say that now because when he gets here, I'm just going to pipe that down a little yep. bit. We'll pipe that down. Yeah. Appreciate you, Kevin Ricca. I appreciate you, Ken Marangolo, from not freaking out when Brian said all he said about, uh, about Bryce Harper. You know, That's <laughs> you're all right. a cool, calm, and collective. The Hulkster didn't come out. It, you know, it was uh, sometimes you need to have that uh, that counterbalance. Yeah, you know, 162 so game season. You can't blow your lid. How, in early how often? March. How often do you find yourself in a position <laughs> to have to defend Bryce Harper? It's awesome. It's exactly what we needed. We need that. That's what the preseason is for. I'm with you. I agree. We can't just get through March oh, without. No. We can't just give free passes out. No, I don't no. care who you are. That's right. You know, you're gonna that's get right. yours. You're gonna we're gonna we're gonna give it. We're gonna we're gonna get it. That's the best. Well. Uh, Please join us again next Tuesday. We'll be one week closer to opening day. 
one week closer to a 187-win season, I think, if I'm not mistaken. I forget I exactly how many yeah. games there, there are. Uh, but but uh, Matt Seal's doing the math as we speak. On behalf of every basement podcast studio in America and First Amendment sports, I'm Ken Marangolo, and this was The Nat Shift. <laughs>